1: back to another episode of friends from work a podcast about all things in the marvel cinematic universe hosted by me robbie earl and by my good longtime friend kyle Sconewell, and we find you here midway through a multiverse of madness moon night mega week by the way kyle first time that i've been able to use my alliteration love within the mega week context so you know i'm just like Firing on all cylinders.
0: <laughs> see, that was so nice, and it makes me sad that I didn't think of that the first time. I've been saying Moon Knight and Doctor Strange. What a missed opportunity! <laughs> a multiverse of madness, mega week missed opportunity.
1: There you go. Wow. See, now, see, now you're getting it. You're getting it. This is a. Uh, this is funny because it's almost like what I imagine being on on a movie set is like when you're filming the last scene first, and then, like, the first scene midway through, Uh we are recording, actually, for once, we're recording our Moon Knight finale episode the day the Moon Knight finale episode premiered. You will all be listening to this on the same day that we are tracking it, but we already recorded our Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness reaction episode, which is... Quite an episode.
0: (laughs) And trippy because we're both tired now from that journey. And now here we are here, but that hasn't come out yet. So it's very appropriate with Moon Knight, I feel like. Not quite knowing what's going on.
1: (laughs) Where are we? Who are we? Uh, (laughs) Who? Where?
0: (laughs) I'm in Nashville.
1: Things around me
0: feel real. Okay.
1: I'm here. But then you were just in Austin. So... How do you explain that? It's all all very confusing. I blacked
0: out, woke up in Nashville. Okay. All right, right, go, 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 go,
1: sorry. (laughs) All that to say, all that to say that episode is coming out tomorrow, which is fun because that means whenever you leave the theater, if you're going opening night, if you're going Friday, whenever, you will have a reaction pod ready and loaded for your ride home or your run the next day or whenever you want your friends from work content. So that's there. However, if you're listening to this today on Wednesday and planning to go to Doctor Strange tomorrow, we are going to give our spoiler-free review of Doctor Strange. Just a a little bit. It's a mini review because we've got a a mega one coming tomorrow. Um, And that's going to be at the end of this episode. So stick around for that towards the end. We're going to drop the exact timestamp in the, the show notes in case you want to skip ahead to that at some point. So look down there. For that. But for those that don't like hearing anything about the movie beforehand, you can listen freely and we will let you know when the, the spoiler free notes are coming. And if that's not quite enough spoiler free Doctor Strange for you, we actually have a thread over on the Friends from Work Twitter at the FFW podcast talking about the movie and, and maybe what you can expect going into it. But then, like we said, at the end of this episode, We'll have some Dr. Strange thoughts there as well. So
0: I have two announcements to make before we get into this riveting conclusion of Moon Knight. Two very exciting things. First of all, we announced in last Thursday's episode that we were going to be giving away two Epic Hero Shop Moon Knight hoodies to people who listened long enough to hear the code word, which was Osiris, and then take the time and email us that code word. I was thinking I'd get a handful and I would choose from there. Holy smokes. We literally got hundreds of submissions. (laughs) And so we were blown away by the response. Thank you guys so much. That's so encouraging for us. Um, And so without further ado, we randomly selected two people. And those two people are Patrick Casaza. Excuse me if I'm slaughtering that. Patrick Patrick and Casey Alexa, Alexa. So let's go Patrick and Casey. Congratulations. Come on, Casey. just won yourself a Moon Knight hoodie from Epic Hero Shop.
1: Look, those hoodies are nice. I wear mine quite a bit and it's really far too hot in Austin for me (laughs) to to really justify that and I still wear it. So that should say (laughs) something.
0: Yeah. And you've seen me on TikTok wearing that bad boy, so... It's making the rounds. Um, Not the actual one I'm sending you, by the way. I'm sending you a clean, fresh one, not mine. (laughs) Just to
1: clear that up. Now you're going to have people asking if they can just have yours.
0: No, they can't. The second announcement is truly a unique announcement that we are pumped about. Robbie, we have never done this.
1: But we've always wanted to.
0: But we've always... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that makes me th- are you are you referencing the Eternals there cuz that was incredibly clutch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, I'm trying to expand my MCU deep cut references here and update with some phase 4. Oh,
0: wow. That is a deep cut. I'm still racking my brain for what the first line is. Was we we've never fought each other or I've never fought you, but I've always wanted to. Right. It's something like that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Is. Holy cow. Okay. <laughs> Look at us, keeping you on your toes. Okay, anyways, wow. We have too much going on. No time. Quiet Man Squad, FNC. (laughs) Okay, anyways, this announcement's unbelievable. This is specifically to you Texas folks, okay? On May 21, if you live in the Austin, Texas area, please come join Robbie and I at a free screening of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness at a Cinemark there. Are you kidding me? That's right. Go. We're going to meet some people in real life. We're doing it. And we're doing it on May 21 in Austin, Texas. So if you are interested in joining us for a screening of that film and be the guinea pig of maybe the first of a few things like this, maybe just teaser, teaser, then Ooh. email us, go to our website, the ffwpodcast.com and click on contact and send us an email saying that you would like to be a part of this free screening. We will announce the exact time and location soon, but it's going to be on May 21. We think around 7 p.m. at a Cinemark in Austin, and it's going to be an unbelievable time. A chance for us to say hi to you guys, a chance for you to watch Doctor Strange for free, and just hang out. So, oh my goodness. Can't believe I'm (laughs) even saying that right now. It's going to be so fun. Oh my goodness. Okay, so... So just as a way of catching you up, two weeks ago, we had a Thor trailer breakdown, which is coming out in July, coupled with Moon Knight Episode 4, so go listen to that. Last week, Thursday, we did an episode kind of previewing a little bit of Doctor Strange before we had seen it and covering the craziness of Moon Knight Episode 5, so go check that out. And then on Monday, a bonus follow-up to Moon Knight Episode 5, including conversations with one of the cinematographers and the composer. So you're not going to want to miss that. And that may have caught you by surprise because it was a Monday episode. So check that out. Then for friends from work plus subscribers, there was a comics corner episode regarding Dr. Strange with Robbie and Candace on Tuesday. So go check that out. And now here we are today, ready to chat the Moon Knight finale. And if you're interested, stay tuned for the Dr. Strange spoiler free preview at the end. Okay, Robbie, without further ado, let's get into Moon Knight episode six.
1: Kyle Moon Knight episode 6 the season finale it would appear as we'll talk about was entitled Gods and Monsters interestingly and you and I both caught this it's just called episode 6 on Disney Plus i'm thinking that that was just a mistake because Jeremy Slater the creator/head writer of the series has been posting on online the night before, the title of the episode, and the writers. And he called it Gods and Monsters. And I think he would know because he actually wrote this episode along with Danielle Iman, Peter Cameron, and Sabir Pirsada. This, again, kind of continues our pretty small, pretty focused cast here, which, you know, I love. Um, The only real introduction was Saba Mubarak, as the voice of Ahmet. Okay Kyle, this is it. We always talk about landing the plane and and do Disney Plus series in general have trouble with that? Do they have too much going on? Is there not enough time? Do they need more episodes? Yada yada. This is a show that we have loved really from the get-go and I think have only loved more the further it's gone. So I'm really excited. I know in the midst of all the Doctor Strange craziness, it's it's maybe easy to forget, but I'm very excited to be here and talk the Moon Knight finale with you. Where do we begin? So I want to just say right off the top, typically,
0: I feel like I have a pretty good gauge of what people's response to different projects is going to be. I actually was just talking about that with you in Austin with mm-hmm. Doctor Strange And we are recording this pretty early on Wednesday. I haven't gotten a great chance to check out a ton of the feedback online, but I did see a few negative comments briefly on Slack. And all I said to you was, I'm pretty surprised by that. That really shocked me. That's where I want to start. I really liked the episode and I was surprised to read some of the specific critiques Here, So that's just kind of unique for us because usually I feel like it's the opposite, right? It's like we check our slack and people love something and you and I are trying to process how do we handle something we didn't like as much without raining on everyone's parade. And yet here I am today just fired up about life, fired up about the MCU, and fired up about this Moon Knight show. Uh, And so I think I just straight disagree with some of the things I read briefly this morning. That's all.
1: Hey, I... I'm with you though. i was I was I have not gotten to really see any feedback from folks just because of how early we're recording this. But I was sitting there watching this, having just watched Dr. Strange two nights ago, and I was just thinking, man, we are in such a great spot right now in the MCU with like the kind of content like the quality of the content. But also, Kyle, like the stuff you and I have been talking about even just earlier this year about like wanting some some stuff that's a little darker a little bit more visceral like right? I was watching oh, that final fight here but then, also Dr. Strange um, and I love that <laughs> I just it's so fun it's it's such a different a different world for the MCU to explore and oh. I just I think I'm I'm really really happy with how they've done that ah!
0: I can't wait to talk openly about both of these projects okay uh, okay. <laughs> I'll just say I also would like to hear the negative feedback. Like if you had some critiques with this, if you felt like the plane wasn't landed effectively and safely with everybody buckled up in their seats, then let me know because (laughs) I just feel like I missed that. I just, I didn't catch it. I had some hesitations along the way with this show at certain times. And yet then the finale just worked perfectly for me today. So just opposite of some people's journey, apparently. Um, chills like four or five times can i just quick point out a few things before we go through it all like are you kidding me how cool it was to see him jump up into the moon with that silhouette and then fly dude yeah how dope that looked like for the people who haven't got enough suit time like that was pretty cool i thought it was was pretty
1: quality suit time
0: yeah chills there chills when him and steven were switching back and forth and fighting which by Uh the way steven's back he didn't go away i was wrong and I mean, chills, honestly, with the Layla stuff, right? Am I yeah. crazy? Like, that was so unexpected and really cool. I'm genuinely jazzed about it. Chills with that shot of Moon Knight meeting Arthur on the side of the pyramid in front of the moon. Uh-huh.
1: Dude. Am I that, crazy? Like, kick, that stuff was so like, cool. Was it a knee? Like a like a knee to the chin situation?
0: <laughs> a knee to the chin, something like that. <laughs> Finger to the throat means death. Situation. Um, <laughs> dude, I actually thought the giant god battle looked really cool. My wife yeah. is going to love that because she's a big like Godzilla versus Kong type thing. Oh, I, I love like, that. I thought that was really cool.
1: What, no, I, I feel like we had the same responses to the same moments there. Uh, one thing that I really liked about that is the way that they paired that like larger than life over the city... Pyramid stuff, God's battle, and then oh, how Harrow and Moon Knight were just fighting in the streets, you know. And it felt like you got oh. you got both, and and I really I thought that that was really well done for a character that is kind of supposed to be street level. And even though the show has gotten mythological and crazy, it's still been like fairly small in scope. So I thought that was a really nice way of highlighting kind of both sides of what this show has done well.
0: How cool was it when Moon Knight's getting knocked on his back and then you see a giant conchu getting knocked on his back as Harrow's yeah. walking at him over the cityscape? Oh Yeah. So one of the things that I read on Slack this morning that I'm most stunned by is that there was some negative comments toward the are you an Egyptian superhero line and then Layla saying yes. That was like one of my favorite parts. Yeah. I Like, I don't know... I guess different things hit people differently. I loved that, A, she already was such a badass to that point. Mm -hmm. And then when that girl asks that, first of all, it it is dope for an Egyptian superhero, by the way, in the MCU. Like, in the Marvel world, it's cool for Egypt to have a superhero, okay? Right. Secondly, I like that she just said, yes. It wasn't like a, oh, you'll see, or like drawn out, or like zoom in on her face. It was just like, yeah, I am. (laughs) <laughs> I yeah. Like
1: it didn't, they didn't make it melodramatic.
0: Right. So like, I don't think that was cheesy. She just said, yeah, I don't know. So, I, I I loved it. And I thought it was also like a perfect escalation for Layla's character. So.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, I think, I think the important thing to that scene for me is like what we've already talked about, like Layla has kind of been acting like a badass the entire series. Like she's been the one kind of jumping in the the line of fire and doing all of this like crazy Indiana Jones stuff without the Conchu suit. And so it it would be one thing if she were just like kind of a, like a random civilian that then got powers and then acted like, oh yeah, now I'm a superhero. I think it would ring hollow. But I right. feel like that's fitting. Like she's got a confidence to her and like we found, like we had those scenes earlier where she talked about Mark kind of being out of place because he's in Egypt, but he's not an Egyptian. And and I think that like with all of that swirling around, with Mark being an avatar of an Egyptian god but not being Egyptian, and then her getting this opportunity, I thought it was a super cool moment. And I just felt like it was really. I also really liked her suit. I thought that was great. I liked oh, that it. Oh yes. Like Moon Knight looking, you know, like it was his right. own thing. Uh, kind of had some like Wonder Woman 84 vibes. Right.
0: And there's more I could add on that too. Like, first of all, she's been an unbelievable actress. So that oh, gets me yeah, fired up sure. in general. And then secondly, how dope was it in this episode where she turned down Kanshu Like that she stood yeah. up to Khonshu and just resisted that power? I mean, it was already so dope. So it was so fitting to me to have her suit up and do all that. Now, regarding the specific line, people think it's too on the nose, I'm guessing like cheesy. So for some reason, I thought it was kind of lighthearted and fun and that worked.
1: Yeah. I I wonder if there is some kind of miscommunication translation wise, not, not in that, like it wasn't properly translated, but like, I think sometimes like when we're looking at the delivery of lines, there's such an emphasis on the intonation and where, where emphasis is placed and the word that was translated as I am, which is the English subtitle that we got. Like, I just wonder if that didn't line up with people to like, if the delivery of it or the, the like actual timing of that exchange is what isn't clicking. That's the only thought I could have. And I hmm. think that that would be fair. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that that's like, I, I don't really know how you, how you get around that. Cause I think she, I think it was right for her to deliver that line in what I think was Egyptian Arabic or colloquial Egyptian. Um, I think that that made it all the more powerful. So I, I don't really think that we should fault them for that, but I just wonder if that's like where the the disconnect may be. And if so, if that was you, let us know. And, and you know I'd be curious to, to hear more thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, for real. It's an open discussion. I'd love to hear what we're missing here. Another thing that I saw criticized briefly online was just how good of a fighter Steven all of a sudden is there at the end. And I'd love to hear your take on that. But my take is that we kind of saw Mark and Steven become whole in their communication and how he accepted that pain. And I think people are forgetting that it's technically the same person, the same body. So yes, it's a different personality, But I don't think it's that crazy to believe that Steven, once he realizes he is Mark, would still have some of the physical abilities that Mark has. It is Mark's body, actually. So that's how I could buy that Steven in the Mr. Knight suit is able to kick so many people's butt.
1: (laughs) Well, and we did get a line that set that up specifically that we got again in the recap for this episode. When in episode five, right before Steven kind of throws himself over he says, like, Mark, you can do this, and I'm you, so that means I can do this. Right, And I think that's supposed to be the moment where it's all kind of, it's coming together. Right. So that worked totally for me, because if not, like, it almost would have felt like a step backwards. Like, if Steven was still just, like, not knowing what he was doing, right? then I feel like the whole integration that had occurred in episode five would be undercut a little bit.
0: Think about how that made so much sense the first time he suited up as Moon Knight because Steven had no idea about any of this. He didn't even know if he was a separate person, who Mark was, what it was born out of. Like, that makes so much sense to me. But yeah, yeah, you're right. It would have been backwards if he didn't know how to fight still or was super scared. Yeah, because he realized that last episode. That's another one I just disagree with. And it was just so dope.
1: Like it was like, because I think there were people. So and again, this is <laughs> this is why I feel like I, I push back against people making these judgment calls at any point until the finale. Because there was some pushback with the first iteration of Mr. Knight. Because people look at him as being this like very kind of dark, grim, badass character. And then Steven was not that whenever he first showed up. But now we do get that. Like whenever he's like throwing the the Billy Club around and then also the like catching it as Moon Knight. Like oh, that yeah. is such that was such a cool scene. And I feel like that like I was watching the choreography and just like the general vibe around Mr. Knight through the lens of people that had been disappointed. And maybe they're still disappointed because sometimes people are just disappointed, I guess. But, I mean, I think that was about as sweet of a Declan Shalvey comic book page to screen translation as I could have asked for.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and like, you and I don't ahead of time get together and go, hey, make sure you agree with me when I say this. Like, this is truly just how we both felt when we saw it. And right. Another criticism that I read briefly online was, did you feel like it was rushed? And... Let me answer that this way. Once I knew it was only six episodes, you know how I feel about that. I do feel like these shows should be like eight, nine, or 10, right? Like, I do feel like that's the sweet spot. We've had that conversation before where Daredevil's Mm -hmm. 13 is probably a little long because certain things feel bloated. But the sixth side of things, I don't know. It does feel a little bit short, And I think that that ends up causing some problems because people always feel like no matter what the finale does, at least that's my take on it. Seems like the finales are becoming really, really hard to universally be loved by people. And I do think it would help you if you went to eight episodes. That being said, once I already knew it was only six episodes, I didn't feel that. Like, again, just another area that I just was totally loving it and missing the mark on what some people felt. I felt like the amount of fighting you got was the right amount. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was paced pretty well. I don't know. So there's a couple specific things maybe that you could have gotten a little more development on. But I actually was surprised they came back to the mental institute and did give us a little more clarification there. Like they didn't just leave it, like you kind of thought. So I don't, I didn't feel like too many things were cut out because it was rushed.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny because we will probably end up having this conversation. Uh, this will be a, a perfect way to reflect on this whole era because this finale and Doctor Strange, uh, you know, have both gotten attention for having relatively short runtimes, And I think they've led to this kind of same sort of pushback. But, you know, my my take, especially here, is... I I don't really care how long or short something is as long as the story is told the right way. Like, I think that—I mean, which is why I do think, like, the eight-episode length is is the sweet spot. Especially for something like Hawkeye, right? Where, like, I just—it did feel like there were—there was a lot that they were trying to handle there. And, like, the pacing was very deliberate, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. But here— Man, I, I thought it was perfect, and I'm not trying to, like, just agree with everything you say and be, like, 100% positive on this. I do have some questions about this episode that we can get into in a second, but I I felt like the first, like, 15 minutes, because I had to pause it a couple times, and so I was always, like, keeping note of, of where we were time-wise. And the first 15 minutes, you, like, really feel the absence of Mark in the episode, which I thought was really great, because... On the one hand, you get the the chance for Layla to shine as the real protagonist for that chunk. And she is the one that brings Khonshu back and therefore that saves Mark's life. And I liked that. But then by the end of it, you know, Khonshu keeps talking about how he needs an avatar. And we just haven't seen Oscar Isaac on screen for so long that it's like you're waiting, like you want him to show up in this sort of like mm. kind of save the day Helm's Deep moment. <laughs> and then whenever he does like one i thought we got a really satisfactory resolution of the situation that i was really unclear how it would be resolved which was like him being in the in the field of reeds i really liked that like him making the choice to go back and like the the whole scene with him like holding the heart in in his hands with Steven and, like, walking through the gate. Like, I thought that 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 did not feel rushed to me. That felt earned and powerful. And then, like, we got really the whole back third of the episode just as this, like, really, really fun MCU fight sequence, like, which we already talked about. So, like, I thought in in terms of kind of, like, three mini-acts within an admittedly short, you know, I think it was, like, 35 minutes before the credits rolled. So it was short, but it felt like what we've talked about kind of the whole time. Like they, they really did not have that many things on the board that needed resolving by the end. I thought like, right. They right. had done a good job of not like, and I think, I think that's an important lesson for future Disney plus shows to learn. Marvel fans love Easter eggs so much that I think as we learned really, early on with WandaVision, like it makes the, the experience really fun when you can throw out all kinds of things and you're like, what the heck is going on? And then it it creates this whole like speculation machine every week. And that is like a, a fun communal exercise. But the downside of that is you get these expectations in people's mind that like, Oh my gosh, this show is mind blowing. Like who knows what all can happen. And then the reality is you can only, you kind of have two options like whenever you've set yourself up that way. You either try to actually address all of that stuff and wind up with like a bloated mess of a finale potentially or you drop certain things entirely, which I think is sort of the route that like WandaVision went and people feel like there was a, there were things that, that weren't sufficiently addressed. But see, in the
0: case of this finale, I just don't know what else you would be looking for from the show, right. to your point, about everything being resolved. Like, I'd love to actually genuinely hear what else was it missing. Did you need to see more of Jake? See, Did you need a more direct answer on the asylum? The whole show has been building up towards Ahmet being released and Konshu trying to stop that. And we got all of that. And we wanted to see more of Moon Knight in his suit and an empowerment of Layla. And we got that. And we got resolution on what Harrow was trying to do and a little deeper look into that character. So I just don't know what could it have done, basically. And then my last thing on on the review front, by the way, Mm -hmm. this ties into this. Yeah, I've complained a little bit about the CGI work on some of the episodes on this show. Shout out Warren. But I feel like they must've put all their budget into this one. And I've only watched this one time on my computer, but I thought it looked fantastic. Like if you ever felt weird about Moon Knight jumping off the roof of that building, I think in episode two where it looked maybe a little bit computer generated. I didn't feel that on any of the fight things here, including that clash I was talking about with Harrow on the side of the pyramid I thought the way they animated the extra large Konchu and Amet looked pretty cool. Like, uh-huh. I don't think, and I'll watch this again, but I just don't think there was CGI concerns either. I thought they must have put most of their budget into this episode,
1: <laughs> which is yeah, which is fair. I mean, because that you know that is one thing that like we don't have to go through all the different Disney Plus finales, but I think that's another thing with like Wandavision that that people that had issues with it highlighted was like they felt like. The problem with the WandaVision finale in general, I think, is that there were really very few issues at all, period, with the entire show. And then to the extent that there were very small ones, they popped up in the finale. But at that point, people are expecting, like, borderline perfection. So I think the smallest little little hiccups, like the way Wanda's flying out of Westview, draw people's eye because they're used to, like, such a sure. like, 10 out of 10 experience. Here in general,
0: I don't feel that though. I have to be on the record every time. Like, I don't feel that. Like, I know what you're talking about, that it looks a little goofy when she flies away. I wish she had just walked away or disappeared like we've seen her do in that show. But I mean, give me a break. Like, I just disagree on some of the (laughs) finale pushbacks there.
1: I really do. No, I. but I'm I'm going to go to my grave that way. But I'm even, you hear me saying that they're very, like, they're very minor to the extent that they exist.
0: For sure. And it's not that everybody who has a disagreement with something needs to actually tell me, like, how you would write it better. That's like the people who say, this quarterback stinks. And then they go, well, you never played quarterback, so you can't say that. That's not the truth. That's not how it works. Like, you can still critique something, even if, like, I'm not a movie director, but I can still sit here and critique things. So I get that. I'm not saying you have to rewrite the finale if you didn't like the Moon Knight finale. But I would be genuinely curious to know, like, what would you have tweaked then if you can think of something?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I was just going to say, I think that the the beauty of, of Moon Knight here, I think in the same way that you maybe pointed to some small issues in earlier episodes of Moon Knight that didn't really bother me, um, not that like the WandaVision finale had a bunch of stuff that did, but I, I think that it's nice that that was early on and then you're not feeling any of that now. So it's like you don't have that thing where the expectations are so ramped up and then like here's like a here's like a little cgi like glitch there or something that doesn't quite feel right or quite locked in and i think i think maybe that's just like my overarching thought on this finale is to me it just felt very locked in and that's that's maybe why i'm i'm okay with it being so short is because it's like if that's what you needed like if 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 we could have added 10 more minutes and them kind of have more going on that I think that that would have been a distraction. I think that would have been worse storytelling. And I really like that we got to a point where this is, this is the only stuff we had to address. And like we already talked about, I think it was addressed really effectively to the point where I think that, uh, you know, it's still, it's, it's going to end up being a toss up for me. Um, And I'm going to have to think more on it and probably rewatch between this and WandaVision on a series as a whole level because I just did not feel any valleys in this show. Like it started with me being into it. And I think each subsequent week I was more into it. And then this finale, I was just really happy with. And <laughs> WandaVision is the only show that I've had that experience with so far because I, I still think the Loki finale is my favorite finale episode,
0: mm. but, that's probably true, actually.
1: But I think that there were, you know, Loki also had some episodes that I just was not as into.
0: We'll get back to comparing all that next week when we wrap this up, or maybe two weeks from now. I'm not sure, but right. when we do a reflection on this, we'll do that. We're just sitting your body bag and anyone who didn't
1: like this finale, apparently, he's <laughs> <Ease laughs>
0: well, up, he's up. He's already dead. Stop. Well,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk through a few of the plot things now after a quick word from our sponsors. Okay, so one big thing uh, that we have not really talked about at all, but that we talked about a lot over the last two episodes is Jake Lockley. Who, never going to
0: give you up. Man. Never going to let you down. I was right about this. Yeah. I caught it
1: in the last were, well, episode. Well, in, in the sarcophagus. And and the if you go on, the, on our Instagram slash uh, – I mentioned this TikTok. in our Comics Corner episode – uh reading some extra Moon Knight stuff ahead of the finale, we found a couple panels that seemed to foreshadow this and, and some of the interactions we had gotten where Jake is the kind of like let the dog off the chain identity.
0: Mm-hmm. A couple of our listeners guessed this exactly. When I did the TikTok video predicting that there was a third personality, a few people took it further and said, Yes, but I do think it'll be the post credit scene. Like, that's what he'll be wrestling with in season two. Instead of it being resolved now, that's the setup for the future. And kudos to them, because that was 100% correct.
1: So, a couple things there. First off, kudos to you and the Friends from Work community. Kudos also to the Moon Knight team for really killing it with this final reveal and and the perfect kind of amount of buildup and pacing. And I say this because, again, I, I'm, we're not going to get into the, <laughs> I say this, into the comparing thing, but it's just, I, I think that that has been something that, that has dogged these shows. There's so much comic continuity to draw from. People look for so many fun things. And sometimes it's just been hard to figure out the the balance there of honoring that stuff in a way that's still unexpected and, you know, in a way that doesn't feel perfunctory. Like, I think that there was, it was really fun kind of rooting for Kingpin to come in. And then whenever he did, it felt a little bit like, oh, okay, well, yeah, there, there it is. We were right. Whereas here, like, this was so well done, I thought, because you get to the end of the episode and you're feeling like there are some dangling threads because, again, there's the sarcophagus thing. And even in that final shot back at the asylum whenever he and Dr. Harrow were talking, you're like, yep. okay, there's something else going on here.
0: Well, and Arthur says to him, goodbye, Mark, Stephen, and whoever else may be in there.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it was just, I thought it was, it was perfectly, perfectly executed here. And even the actual final, like the, the way the scene took place uh, and was visualized, like I I love that he had his like cabbie cap on and you saw yeah. that before you saw Oscar's face. So it's like you, yeah. one, I mean, I think as soon as the post credit scene started and as soon as things started to get fishy, we kind of knew that that's where it was heading. But the way that you start to see little glimpses and you understand what's going on and then the actual like closing visual of them being in the back of the white limo with Kanchu sitting there with Jake driving. Like that again is straight out of the first issue from the, the Ellis mm. Shelby run that we yeah. covered in our first Comics Corner installment. So it's like such a fun final, like I, I feel like that we got a lot of those kind of classic visuals throughout the the series But really, like, the main one that we didn't get, the main two that we didn't get, I guess, were, like, Khonshu in the suit. Uh, That's, like, a big one that you get in the comics a lot. And the limo. And then, obviously, Jake, the character himself. And so to get Mm. all of that together at once and to pair the limo with, like, Cab Driver Jake, which is kind of a twist on things, it was just, like, a really great, really faithful but still shocking adaptation.
0: All right, a few specific questions regarding Jake. Were you satisfied with the Mark blackout to only wake up with Harrow being dead from the axe? Like, was that satisfactory to you because of the Jake hint, or were you bummed you didn't see how Mark got out of that situation?
1: That's a good question. I think I'm a little... I think uh, I'm torn here, because I, I think that that made for the better reveal at the end. Right. Um, I think if they had done that then it would have felt weird to then kind of circle back. Like I think it would have been a weird note to end the episode on. But instead it leaves it with this kind of like mystery hanging. And you get like the horrified – like I, I almost think – it's like what Candace talks about with like the, the best horror movies are the ones where you don't actually see all of the scary things happening. Like because it's the dread of it that is really where the fear comes from. It's like what's in the shadows, the Batman. Um, And so I think in some ways, like, yeah, it would have been really cool to see Jake go all out and be so brutal. But I think it's even more like harrowing, no pun intended, to see like the way Layla's looking at him and then to hear Mark and Steven be like, that was not us and to just see the carnage because it's building and building because eventually we will get that. We will, I think, see Jake kind of go all out. And I would, I think I would rather save that ultimately, even though like in the moment I, to answer your question, I think I was a little bummed because I, I just wanted a little bit, you know, I, I I wanted it, but they know that I wanted it. And I think that they'll (laughs) deliver eventually. What about you?
0: I don't have a deep answer. One viewing through. I liked it. Yep. I don't know why I disliked it. Maybe my opinion will change on that as I go, but I thought it was kind of cool to keep in time with those edits we had seen earlier, you know? Right. Um, So, secondly, how would you practically put on paper, if you had to tell somebody that's never seen any of this, what is happening with this asylum? And ultimately, what is happening with. Mark ending up back in his bed in his apartment. I know it's supposed to be ambiguous, but if you had to tell somebody, because this is the first time now we see Harrow is bleeding. So the ramifications of the outside world are coming into this, what this mental mind palace. But then we're actually seeing actions outside of that palace for the first time, right? Like we saw Harrow go there to his own mental institute and then be taken out and shot by Jake. So where is that physically located?
1: Okay, so here's my thought on this. Um, I think that those are two different locations. Like, I, I think that Mark... In the asylum, that was like a spiritual plane of some sort.
0: Pause, pause, pause. So, even when he goes back to it and Harold's bloodied, that's yeah. just a spiritual dimension where the real world has effect on the spiritual dimension.
1: Yes. And I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure why. Like, the, it, it was a very intentional choice to have it cut to that and i need to rewatch it and i'm i'll, I'll be curious to kind of see what Mohamed Diab says about that cuz that was kind of a clear directing choice
0: that's right after kanshu lets mark and steven free to your point of the cut why did they go back to the asylum right after that scene although although they went back with mark and steven now like mentally aware of it you know what i mean
1: yeah yeah, that's that's I'm I'm not sure frankly. And and I think that that would be something that we might learn more about uh, from Muhammad Diab or Jeremy Slater. Either of them are welcome to come onto the show and tell us. Uh, but I was wondering the same thing.
0: Well, this is out there, but I'm just thinking maybe that's Mark passing through almost like that's what Mark and Conchu had set up as he passes through, kind of almost like a traveler in the night. Like he's getting rid of that. So he's just quickly going back
1: through that realm en route to the real world. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Let's think about this real quick. So episode five, we find out, and I need to go back and and rewatch the scene now, but whenever Towerette's first telling them where they are and talking about how they're viewing it as an asylum. Mark then like opens the door and they're actually on the ship. So are we to believe that the asylum like is that ship? Like that that they're just there kind of navigating the duot. And that's just how he he visualizes them. I, mean, I know in, in episode five it's unclear and it cuts back and forth, but now with kind of the benefit of hindsight Maybe you're, maybe you're right. Like it's the sort of like a limbo almost.
0: Yes. I thought those were two separate locations. Like when he threw the doors open, I interpreted that duo and the ship as a separate, like maybe the asylum is this holding space mentally. And that's what he's created. He chose an asylum but when he actually goes out those doors and onto the ship now he's in like the egyptian afterlife
1: but see i i feel like that would make sense that the ship and the asylum are one and the same because when you're on the ship you're you're a like that's the thing that ferries you either between the duat or the the field of reeds so i don't think being on the ship itself constitutes being in the duat necessarily like i think that I think it would make sense that you're sort of hovering in a, in a state of like, of neither.
0: So why would he go back to the afterlife then when he's being freed from Khonshu? Cause it's almost like dying for a second or he's blacking out while he's getting rid of those Khonshu powers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, that I don't know. And, you know, clearly I'm just speculating here.
0: Okay, so then my follow-up then is, are you then saying that Arthur is in an actual hospital post the fight? Yes. Okay, so that's now real life. Like, he didn't yeah. die from the axe, and he's actually alive, and then Conchu hires Jake now to go back and finish the job that Mark or Conchu couldn't do or wouldn't do. Yeah. So then that's my third question. Is that the interpretation of what Jake is? Is that Conchu is like, okay, I'll set Mark and Steven free, but he has no idea that I can still use his body because of Jake.
1: Correct? Right. Right. And I think that Conchu has always known Jake is his real secret weapon anyway. Um, Right.
0: In those really intense moments.
1: Right. And I also like that, like, it it makes sense that Harrow can see... Kanshu there at the end because he's got Ahmet within him. So I think that it would like, even though he wasn't able to earlier, that kind of explains why he can now like communicate directly with Khonshu again.
0: I thought Khonshu looked really good in this, by the way. These last two yeah. episodes, Khonshu looked even better. Like sitting in the back of the cab looked real yeah. to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought Khonshu looked the best the entire show. Like, there were moments where the, the like, hippo and crocodile stuff looked, sure. like, slightly sure. a little too cartoony to me, but not in a way that was distracting. But yeah, Khonshu, I, I thought, was really, really well rendered all the way through. But, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked these questions because I, I that's sort of what I'm... Like, the Jake thing, I again, I love it because it makes so much sense to me the way they did it. I'm still not quite sure why Mark wound up back in that asylum. Like, let's just think about that for a second. Like he's, so he's sitting there talking with Dr. Harrow and they're talking about whether any of that ever existed, which by the way, there was a moment there where I was like, no, like if, if this was all just their mental. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was going to lose it. Um, but, so that's what they're that's what they're talking about. And then we see we see Mark, I think, go into the Jake persona, right? Cause he uses the doc phraseology yeah. like you kind of highlighted.
0: But just for a split second, I think he was trying to show all three in like rapid succession. That's what that was yeah. supposed to show.
1: I think yeah, I think because he does he has the accent and then it's a little hard until we get more time with Jake to like clearly differentiate Jake from Mark right now, unless he's like saying something where you can pick up the accent. Um, mm-hmm. especially there because it, it yeah, it was so quick like we need time to really see the facial expression change as well. but I do think we got what you pointed out before, like the Harrow uneasiness with that like you see him back away whenever he uses that voice and then what I thought was interesting is Dr. Harrow is then asking, so he's asking why am I bleeding while, Jake is saying, you know, so what happens if 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 I believe something different than than what you believe. So I'm just trying to think of all these ingredients here because it makes me think that Dr. Harrow within this this realm like I'm he not truly sure he
0: doesn't think anything else is real.
1: Yeah, in this made up version. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like I think initially I had thought he was nefarious. And trying to like either get something from Mark or trick him for some reason. And I'm not sure that that's the case because we don't have any evidence now that this, this imaginary maybe or spiritual version of Dr. Harrow is in any way actually tethered. Well, no, we do know he's tethered because he's bleeding. Sorry, I'm working this all out in real time. I'm just trying to figure out what what the connections are.
0: Right, to me, if that realm, specifically that asylum, is taking place in Mark's head, right, Will you go there, that it's a visualization, whether it's a holding room to the afterlife or whatever, he's visualizing that part of it. Do you agree? Yes. To that degree, it almost feels Westview-esque. Right, where it's Mm. like, Arthur Harrow doesn't realize he's in this visualization of Mark's. And so he's kind of like a robot almost going through all his motions. And then it's startling to see that the real world has consequences on this now. And that's why I think it's in his head because Mark, as Harrow's getting hurt would visualize, it's like inception maybe more, right? Like one level in where it's like, when he turns a little bit in the dream, then the van flips in the in the next level down. That's almost what I feel like here. Yeah, where it's like I they like go that. under, and then Harrow's getting injured. So that's being visualized as Harrow bleeding in this asylum.
1: Well, and that does also make sense when you think of this as. As in Mark's head, like, I think it's in Mark's head on some level, but I think it's also real because, like, the the stuff with Taurat we know is real because that manifested into her choosing Layla as her avatar.
0: And that's why I'm separating the two out, right? Like, why couldn't Taurat come into his brain before he dies and passes to the afterlife? She could be stepping into that visualization, to then escort him along, whatever. Hold on. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a holding space of some sort.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess at that point, I'm just not sure what the difference is then. Like if she can be there and that's a space between Mark in physical reality and Mark in a particular afterlife destination, I'm not sure what the difference would be between being in the halls of the actual asylum and not. Sure. Okay. Um, I do one, one thing that you that I think you're right on that I just thought through though is like the the way that that is Mark's brain creating things because which uh, again Towerette does kind of say and that's why I want to go back and listen to the way she describes it but and uh, now that I'm thinking through even episode 5 and how this might inform the final asylum scene in episode 6 Mark while he's having that conversation with Dr. Harrow and that's flipping back and forth, he keeps saying things like, I'm insane, We're insane. And like none of this is real. And he's being, it's like he's questioning and then he's being questioned by Harrow. So I, I'm it's almost making me think now that like, because of of like the scene in in the Chamber of the Gods in episode three, where Harrow's calling him out for being unwell and talking about how he's kind of broken and his mind is fractured. I wonder if then whenever he dies and he's kind of doing whatever sort of soul searching and self-evaluation, and he's questioning whether he is indeed like totally insane and broken and fractured, he puts Harrow there as the as the questioner like puts those questions in his mouth, even though that's really Mark himself asking like, is that sense or is that nonsense? Trying to trying to figure out the reality of all these different things that he's experienced. That would kind of make sense with the other characters that we saw in the opening asylum shot at the end of episode four. And then also tying that back with episode six with would that mean that Dr. Harrow is bleeding because they beat Harrow and Ahmet or that instead mean like especially paired with that final kind of confidence of what if I believe something different is that like Dr. Harrow is now bleeding and kind of wounded because that self doubt has been defeated. I don't know. Do
0: you think do you it's ambiguous? Like, yeah, I do see what you're saying. I wonder if that's just going to be left up to interpretation. Short of Muhammad coming on the show and telling us the actual interpretation he was thinking. Yeah. My, my point is, I don't think there's an answer right now, right? I don't
1: think. No, right. Well, and, and that's why I think Inception is is a good reference for, for multiple reasons. But, but again, like, that's what I love about this. Like, I, I feel like it is open to interpretation. The performances on all sides of that were so compelling and so nuanced that I think there's so much that we could kind of pick apart that is not, it's not like pick apart on just an Easter egg level. It's pick apart on like a psychological level. And that's really fun.
0: Lastly, then, when he goes back to his real bed, my interpretation now is that wasn't a dream. Like time had passed, but now he goes back to his apartment, maybe as Jake and Mark and Steven are now like subconsciously aware that they still need to tie themselves down because there's a dangerous person in there. Did we see Jake act on some stuff and then go back to the bed, pass out and they wake up as Mark and Steven?
1: Yeah, I, I think so, although I don't think that they know any more than, than just that there is this – there's a reason they're blacking out. I think that's all they right. know at the end of the first season.
0: Right, because consciously, they're still taking the effort to tie themselves down. If they were truly free, why would they do
1: that? Right, which is also funny because when has that ever worked anyway? <laughs> uh,
0: right. I was just making sure we're on the same page on the interpretation of all that stuff. That's all.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, that's something else that I'm really curious to hear people's thoughts on uh, because I, I think that that is intention. I think you're right. There is a level of that that's intentionally left ambiguous. And I sort of, I kind of doubt and I kind of don't want them to do any clarifying within the show. Like I'm always interested to hear what the writer and director were intending to get across there. But yeah, I think that leaving sure. that within the, the realm of the story is, is the right call. One, one other thing that I really liked, uh, that kind of took me all the way back to that Moon Knight press conference is that we do return to Stephen's apartment. And that makes me think that, you know, whether it's a Moon Knight season two, which we didn't explicitly get revealed here or a movie or whatever, like, I think that, that Moon Knight is now going to be based in London, which I kind of like, like I I like that we had this Uh Egyptian origin story that worked really, really well. I mean, I would love to wind up back in Egypt because all that stuff was so fun. But I I guess my point is I like that. It's not him going to New York that they're sticking with the, you know, there is this, he is a hero that has a different base.
0: Yep. And, Obviously, setting up season two to be messing with this idea that they still have to figure out this Jake part, even though they've accepted the Mr. Night Moon Knight part of them, they still don't understand this blackout stuff and Khonshu's still around. So I think appropriately leaving the door open for more content there.
1: So I, I said that was the last thing. I actually have a couple of rapid fire things now that I'm thinking about it. One, so they don't know that they have access to the suit, but they technically do. Like, because Jake does, so, and in the same way that Steven was able to, like, not even knowing that he could bring forth Mr. Knight.
0: Oh, yeah, probably. Good call. Yeah. Good call.
1: Um, So I think that that's out there. Um, Another thing that I really liked is the way that this left Konshu. I was talking with a friend of mine about kind of where they would leave that character as a, a good or bad. Or bad force because like we talked about in our second comics corner episode in the jeff lemire run that they really mined heavily through the series conchu kind of winds up being the ultimate villain there and for similar reasons to to what like steven pointed out in the show like he's been taking advantage of mark and manipulating him and i really like the way they handled that too because it would have been too much to have him kind of go full villain mode alongside Ahmet, And I don't think I wanted like a a like Captain Marvel style twist there. But I really like that like, yeah, he was he was kind of fighting the right fight and still is, in that he's not like killing people before they've, you know, made their choice. But he's he's doing that, like he's accomplishing that end in like less than virtuous ways still like he is taking advantage of and manipulating and lying to Steven and Mark. And I think that that made that final scene like a little chilling, like you, you see what he's that. He really does not seem to care about Mark at all. Right. And so it, it does kind of set him up to potentially be a villain type figure in season two, I think. Mm-hmm. But in you know a very like unique kind of villain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My actual last Moon Knight question for you: Where do you think that leaves Layla?
0: I was wondering that because she may. You mean regarding her power?
1: Uh, her her power. I mean, my read on that was that she gave it up because she made it temporary. But then the right. superhero line made me question that. So right. I'm curious for your thoughts on that. But also like where it leaves her relationship with Mark slash Steven.
0: Yeah, regarding her powers, yep, she said it was temporary. I don't know if then she felt it and liked it, and maybe the superhero line is her changing her mind, or maybe she's saying, I am a superhero with or without these powers. Mm. Um, Could be. So that's open for interpretation. We'll see where they take that. She is a badass, though. Um, I would think... Like, there's no reason for us to believe they're not together, right? Like, at minimum, partners. I feel like there's going to be healing there and she'll be around. Maybe they're not technically married or I don't know who she's married to, Mark or Steven or how that works. But no, I think they're partners. Is there something more you're looking for?
1: No, no. I think there was a part of me midway through that thought we would get a specific indication one way or the other. Like, I thought she might wind up deciding to stay in Egypt and, like, follow in her father's footsteps or something. And again, I kind of like that we didn't because we can, you know, it'll just be interesting to see where things pick up. Uh, Like, this left so many possibilities.
0: Well, and as far as physical location goes, we didn't see her. So there's a chance that she stays in Egypt for a little bit or just visits Mark in London or Mark visits her. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know about that because I do think that Egyptian superhero line felt pretty intentional. So, like, I I don't think we're done with Egypt forever, if that makes sense. But I I I do think in general, it probably won't be rooted in Egypt.
1: Yes. And I wasn't actually sure where, where did she, do we know where she came from initially? Like, was she living in London at the beginning of the series?
0: Doesn't say. She's just calling him member a bunch and he's not answering for like six months but she could be calling from America, from Chicago. You know, she could be calling from Egypt. Oh,
1: right. Yeah. From
0: London. I don't know. So.
1: Interesting. Again, I think those are all, I wonder if that's some of the stuff that people feel went unaddressed in a negative way. And I'm just instead kind of liking the, I'm liking the question marks because I, I think that it gives them more room to to tell interesting stories in the next installment instead of like, I would rather that right than them try to tie everything up here and then come back and like untie things (laughs) like, like what you always talk about with Thor, like make the point to break down the, the rainbow bridge only to kind of immediately undo that because you have to now tell another story that needs the rainbow bridge. Like I think it's better (laughs) to leave it open.
0: Thank you for getting that reference in there. Also, it's a like quasi
1: Thor 2 reference.
0: Um, yeah, kind of. It's both. Yeah, we say this a lot in this podcast. I also just don't think I need every thread tied off. If some things are left open for season two, great. And just in general, it's kind of the lost thing where it's like they gave us all the major answers. As far as where May Calame's character was coming from, I don't know. And I don't know if I need to know. Like, they can go into that if they want, but they're not going to go into every single detail. You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah, So I'm just for sure. okay with not knowing things like that, I guess. So we're going to come back to Moon Knight as an entire series and address that in the next couple weeks or so. I thought this episode was a let's go plus probably. Maybe not quite the shock that episode four and five had to get a let's freaking go. But as yeah. you can tell, I really liked it. So I'd say probably let's go. Let's go plus, but I'm going to review the entire thing and how it sits compared to the other Disney plus shows later.
1: Yeah. I'm going to be in the same, in the same realm. Um, and, and that let's go. I, I think it is a let's go plus for me too. Like, which is, I think where we were for some of the early episodes of moon Knight, And that's still, I mean, like I said, that's big. Um, it did not feel like a step down. It just felt like a resolution, you know, like the it felt like the climax, it, sure. In a lot of ways, was was what we got in four and five, and five was like those were both let's freaking go's for such different reasons, you know. Um, and then mm-hmm. I think that this I thought served kind of both sides of that and just tied the whole thing up well. Obviously, we've just been praising it for forever, um, but yeah, as as a discrete episode, I think that this is a. A let's on the on the upper side of let's go for me.
0: But we would love to know what you guys think. So hit us up anywhere, social media, website, Slack, etc. Give us your thoughts. Okay, we are going to get to a quick, spoiler-free preview of Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness, if that's something you want. We're gonna have a quick word from our sponsors. And if you don't want to hear anything about Doctor Strange, again, it will be spoiler free. But if you want nothing, if you're Annika, then turn the episode off after these commercials. Bionica. But if you do, yeah, Bionica, peace. If you do, stay tuned for a few more minutes. All right, so these are always tricky. What do you want to tell the audience that doesn't ruin anything but enhances it for people that are wondering about this film? Knowing there's a lot we can't say,
1: obviously. Right, right. Um, Well, so... Let's start with the ending. Uh, just kidding. I I think by and large I, I want to hear actually from from you the most here because I think you're you're in the same shoes as a lot of people and that you're you're a huge Wanda fan. I think you're also a bit of a bigger Doctor Strange in the MCU fan than me, and so I think that that's maybe going to be a, a more telling thing for folks from my side out the gate again we talked about this on on socials and on Twitter if you want to go follow us there but i think the biggest thing for people to know that i want people to know going in to get the best experience is that this is a doctor strange movie in the best way for for me like it's it's crazy and weird and dark and trippy in ways that I think are legitimately surprising. Like if you're thinking that those, that all of those terms could be used to describe the first film, that's kind of true, but it's like way, way, way dialed up here. And and I think that, that folks that felt like the first film didn't do the that weirdness of the comics justice, I think those people will, will not be able to say that here, whether they necessarily like this or not. They really gave Ramy the, the wheel here and let him drive off a cliff maybe um, in the no, best way. That, like I said, in the best way.
0: <laughs> that's the second thing I think we want people to know. You said it's a Doctor Strange film. Correct. It is a Sam Raimi film. What do I mean by that? I truly thought that some of the weird, quirky horror elements would be dialed down because it's Marvel, and I just don't think that's the case. So, like, it is creepy enough that that disclaimer has to be given. Is that fair? Like, I said to Annika, yeah, you are going to close your eyes for some of the scenes. <laughs> you will be tense enough. So, for us, we freaking loved that, right? Like, that was really fun and fresh but I could see that some people are not into that vibe of a film. We had a couple questions say, is it too scary for me? And I was like, well, I can't define that, but maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I would say, I feel like most Marvel movies are are fair game for most ages. And this might be one where if, if you sure. got, like, a kid in the, like, you know, eight or nine-year-old yeah. realm that you would normally... Watch these with, like maybe go watch it yourself first. Yeah, uh, and then make the call. It's not, you know, again, it's, it's not like it's, an R rated horror film straight but up. It's but it's cl-
0: it's closer to R than it is to PG, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a good point.
0: And then on the Sam Raimi front as well, there's all the good and there's a little bit of bad with that, in my opinion. So the movie has a feel like it's living breathing you can tell it was made by Sam Raimi and so props to him there is also some of that quirkiness in there as well that's all I'll say so there there yeah. are a few scenes where you're like oh this is Sam here he goes well and, <laughs>
1: and and I think what's fun about that too is that winds up making it feel like very very comic booky in a very specific way and I'm I've been trying to think about the best way to get that across. But it's like, I know that in some ways, you know, you look at Endgame and that feels very comic booky and kind of the scope of it and having all the heroes come together. But like this, it's like the cinematography, the editing, like the colors, honestly. Like I, I think that I've seen a lot of people recently gripe about Marvel using too many kind of muted tones in an effort to make things look too realistic. And I'm not commenting on that criticism here, but I'm just saying that's another thing that I don't think people can say about this movie. Like, it feels like you are actually, like, looking at panels from a comic at times. But it also feels, like, structurally, plot-wise, like, it, it, like if, you, if you want a sense of what I'm talking about, one of the comics we recommended in the Comics Corner is Jason Aaron and Chris Pacello's uh, Doctor Strange – Flip through the first couple of issues of that, even just visually uh, on Marvel Unlimited. And I think that you will quickly kind of see how even that particular run was translated as well as like a, a lot of the other classic Dr. Strange stuff.
0: The last thing we want to say, and this is where we need to be the most careful. The movie makes some really bold calls, which we love. However, whenever something is this bold and you'll see what I'm talking about when you watch it, it also has a chance to be polarizing. So I think there's going to be some things that you either like love and I could see some people saying like this is one of Candace's favorite Marvel movies ever. Like I could see some people not just being lukewarm on this, being like this is one of the best Marvel films I've ever watched in a theater. You know, like it's going to be some people's top five. And then – I think it's going to be some people's like bottom eight.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: Because of a few things. So
1: I think I'm trying to think, I think the only other film that would be this polarizing within the MCU would be Eternals. I don't, I don't know if there's another one that that would like be that divisive.
0: I agree. I think that's the comp, but here, hear me out on this. We said this on social media. Not in the same way. Like, Eternals, we felt like had some execution problems. Is that Mm -hmm. fair to say? Right. And this does not have execution problems at all. Again, this is where I need to be really careful. We'll we'll talk about this, obviously, when this is out, finally. But just just know that that's why you're probably seeing some of the polarized reviews.
1: Right. And... One, it's so funny living in this liminal space of having seen it, but also seeing some of the rumors going around on social media that are just like so off and it just makes you realize how that's just always the case, but they're just only ever these kind of brief periods where you know enough to know that that's the case. Uh, so a lot of the stuff you're seeing may not, but one, just it's not worth fretting regardless until you've seen it, but- correct that, that's kind of the other overarching thing that that I would say, like th- one of the complaints that I've seen from critics is I- I've seen people take issue with the pacing, kind of like we, we previewed, you know, even with the Moon Knight finale, maybe with it being <sighs> too short or things not being as, as explored or explored as fully as they should be.
0: But some of that is going to be preference, right? To some people like Candace, it's a tight story and they love yeah. that it's tight and fast and you're gripped. Like you are glued to the screen the entire movie. Like you won't take a breath. Yes. So yeah. in that way, it's awesome. And then some people will be like, well, I wish they had dove into this further. So it should have been longer. You know what I'm saying? Like it's going to be right. a preference thing.
1: I totally agree. And, and that kind of brings me to that larger point, which is if you're sitting down, Thursday night or this weekend and you're looking for primarily the next big MCU event movie, like if you're looking for the thing that's going to usher in like the kind of new part of phase four, I don't I don't think that this movie is going to give you that. I think it will give you bits of that. Um, like I think that there are things that they can follow up on and will for sure. But that's not what it's primarily concerned about. So I think that like the reason I say that is if you're kind of watching your watch and you're seeing the time go by and you're like, oh, but there are all these things that that we theorized that were supposed to happen and that we were supposed to see here and it's not showing up. That's not what the movie's trying to do. And I'm glad. The movie is like for the first time since 2016, really focusing on who Stephen Strange is and getting back to, like, following that character. You know, like, we've seen Doctor Strange interact in all these big event things for the last several years, and I think it was really smart to dial it back, back down in, in scope in some ways. Now, I say that because uh, I think that's the right expectation. There are some, you know, mind-boggling things on, on a lot of levels, but I think that that's, I think that's the healthiest headspace to, to enter this one with.
0: Love it can't wait for you guys to see it and to talk about it openly. We're still going to have like two weeks of just the fallout of this film and this show. So as we're wrapping up here, let's reiterate a few things that are important. First of all, thank you everyone who submitted for the Epic Hero Shop hoodie. Check out shop.com. They have some really cool stuff and stuff you'll like. If you're a first-time purchaser, use our promo code friends from work, all one word, to save 15% off their merch. But congratulations to Patrick Casaza and Casey Alexa for winning those hoodies. Email us, please, on our website, theffwpodcast.com, and we'll get in touch with shipping. Also, if you live in the Austin area, mark your calendars, May 21, a free Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness showing with Robbie and I at a Cinemark Theater there, maybe even next D. Not sure yet, but at a Cinemark Theater in Austin for free. Join us. To RSVP to that, send us an email as well. The FFWpodcast.com contact. And then lastly, catch up on our previous episodes and enjoy Dr. Strange this weekend. Hope you have your tickets already. Let's talk next week. We have so much to go over. Can't wait to see you guys again. And thank you so much for listening to Friends from Work.